Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the day Talk Well, praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We are the church, and the revelation of being the church is what empowers us to live this Christian life in confidence. Before I get started in the teaching, I do want to um, say to all the fathers in the world, happy Father's Day. You know, we have um, highlighted often Mother's Day, and yes, it is a great day, but today is also a great day to honor Father's Day. It's just another year that the Lord gives us opportunity to. And, of course, I encourage every one of you who have a notebook to get a notebook of this teaching because we are um, experiencing great insight in Sunday mornings in the Word. I am uh, apologetically and systematically going through the Word of God to determine um, some great things that we, we need to accomplish in this life. And so my prayer is that you will um, enjoy uh, the teaching and also get the most out of it. Get a notebook that's specifically um, placed on this um, on this teaching for this teaching format. Because I, as I've said, I've said it jokingly and I've said it seriously. Um, the type of teaching that we do is not what you do on Sunday morning when you preach the gospel or even a Bible study for that matter. We go line upon line, precept upon precept, and um, we study um, so that way we can get the most out of the Word of God systematically. And I believe that if you were to take notes on this in a month of teaching, you'll get more in the month than you get in the whole year of sermon. I like to say that, but it's the truth. We give a lot of information, a lot of scriptures that you can live upon. So you can know. And today we're going to continue our study on overcoming, um, and we call, call this overcoming theology. And really, this is one from a book that I'm writing, the Overcoming Way, and um, Overcomer's Way, rather. And um, the way we are um, approaching this is overcoming sin, overcoming the world, overcoming by faith. And hopefully, we'll get into faith um, in the latter part of the summer into the fall. And I believe God is going to bless us. But right now we're dealing with overcoming the world, and I think it's quite um, imperative that we expand exactly what this means. Amen. And so um, get your notes out. We're going on part two of Division Two of Overcoming the World. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and I'm glad. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you and spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that is to be confident to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do mean that the pen of the Holy Spirit is educated and guided in clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what all you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. As Father, and everything that shall be accomplished and be revealed, you be glorified for it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we be praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We have said from time and time that overcoming theology is the pursuit 
um, to of knowing God more intimately so that we can serve him ultimately more faithfully, to awaken core values and establish our convictions and advantages that we have over the world and establishing God's word as final authority and to answer systematically the value of having theology when in need to overcome and in areas of our life to advance the greater causes. We talked about overcoming theology in the concept and give a definition. It is a discipline involving a reflection of faith and belief in life of the Christian advantage and the importance of establishing our convictions our commitment, and our character around these discovered reflections. We talked about how that a theology is not a negative word. It doesn't mean that you just go to a Bible school. It doesn't mean that it's, um, um, you know, it is just a theory. Um, and, and, and it doesn't mean that it is um, it's not a theory. And it doesn't mean that it's just for preachers. Even theology answers, it alters, it awakens, and it adds, it advances us through the knowledge and the pursuit of God. And every believer has theology, whether they know it or not. You have a basis in which you develop your logic and your concepts around God. So we have to, we should really be prompted as believers to find that, that niche in overcoming overcoming, not only overcoming uh, just for the sake of overcoming, but overcoming sin, coming the world, and overcoming by faith. Because all of those layers really outline really what God is all about and his transforming power. And and God says to us clearly, um, as we get ready to enter into this division two of overcoming the world to no longer conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. We we started out in overcoming sin because sin is the uh, overcoming sin is the gateway to really establishing confidence in God's ability to transform your life. If you don't know He can take away the sin not only of the world but of your life, then the then the then there is a there is a tendency to approach. God and, and to approach a relationship with God in a lens where you can really never overcome. And so what what we have what we have emphasized in this teaching is that that we begin anything relating to theology and anything relating to our relationship with God ultimately on the premise that we have an above and beyond advantage because we have initially right standing with God through Christ. And our belief seeks to advance that from that initial awareness. And we stress the Christ factor as the central and vital means to have confidence in our outlook to overcome. See, this, and this is what I've been saying for weeks, because a lot of times you, you'll go to churches and you'll hear that they really don't have confidence to overcome. You know, uh, and we see challenges as opportunities for God to reveal himself in the context of his willingness to work with us and in us, right? We have a revelation of his, our redemption, our righteousness, and reconciliation with God. And that's what prompts us to have confidence over sin. We know that sin is eradicated through Christ because he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so the, the key resolve 
is the, 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 the thing that made Christ possible. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I don't even want to get there. But anyway, the thing that made the Lord Jesus uh, uh, sufficient as the sacrifice as the sin of the world was his obedience, even unto death on the cross. And so we know that obedience is, is the solvent and the solution to sin. When we choose to obey based on the right standing we have with God or obedience unto righteousness, and that is only achieved through the heart and through the compliance to what Jesus taught because Jesus wasn't the sufficient sacrifice for our sins that we could truly obey. And that obedience to God and that yielding to God empowers us, glory to God, and bless his name forevermore. Uh, it empowers us to advance and excel in this life, and it overcomes sin. Amen. Now, not only does it overcome sin, but it overcomes the world. And the world in this teaching is not the earth, okay? Because, you know, people will, people will try to translate the, the judgment that is for the world, and they will call it toward the earth and, and try to plead and to try to declare and decree in the religious jargon um, the um, corruption in the natural earth as a, as a sentiment or a statement for the, um, for the state of the world. But no, the world in this connotation is not the earth but the system of beliefs that are opposed to God's plan. And you need to understand that. And, and the church has not done a great job of identifying exactly what the world is. And, and, and that's what I want to emphasize in this teaching. You need to know exactly what the world is. When we say come out from among them and be ye separate, touch not the unclean thing, and we're saying be holy as your Father is holy. Holy is a separation to sanctification. Holiness is, 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 is a resolve to, to keep God high and to keep the devil low. Holiness is a resolve to separate yourself completely from anything that is opposed to God's plan which means that you need to understand what God's plan is. It has nothing to do about clothes, whether you wear makeup or you wear earrings or not. That's stupid. That's what the, what the, the church has done to try to keep under their control versus God's control. And a lot of times the church has created another world. Glory to God. And that's why Jesus came preaching the gospel. Glory to God. And, and in the in the midst of the gospel, he preached the kingdom of God. And we'll get into that in Division 2 or Division 3. Rather. But I, I don't want to get into that because, you know, I'm going to preach it and I'll get lost. All right? But we talked about uh, this separating from sovereign authority because God is sovereign. And, and, and the enemy, and not only the enemy, but the, 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 the state of the world or the world system of beliefs, that is opposed to the will of God and the plans of God is set or separating you from that which you know God has authorized you to exist in. And God has, see, this is pick up in First John chapter 2, verses 9 through 17. We made great commentary on that last week. I won't rehearse it, just give a lesson from last week. Um, but in, 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 in 1 John 2, it tells us, to love not the world, 
Now, in 316 John, it also, the gospel of John, it says, for God so loved the world. Right? God's world, but it tells us to love, not the world. And sometimes you'll be confused. You'll be like, well, hey. You know, and this is not talking about the text of those who are in the world and talking about love. You love people because in the seed of every person is the spirit of God. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Now, whether they are aware of what lies within them or not, that doesn't deter them from being uh, um, um, capable of being a child of God. So we honor them even for the potential of being a child of God. Everybody that is born of God is not a child of God. We do know that. But, but everybody has the capability to be uh, a child of God that has a spirit. Amen? So we talked about how we have to see the set approval we have in, the, in overcoming by God's love, ultimately. And we're going to go back to that um, a little bit, but I, I gave some indications that God loves releases the light, um, the, the light that cancels the effect of sin, and God's love is not only what inspires us, to be motivated to overcome sin, but it is what authorizes us to eradicate sin. And then God's love is a direct reflection on his nature, fulfilling the purposes of his heart. So God's love prompted um, Christ to serve as the propitiation or the stand-in for sin. And God's love is what um, pushes the Holy Spirit to empower and enlighten us to the advantages of overcoming sin. And sin, of course, overcoming sin is the gateway to the overcoming way. Because if you don't believe he can clean you up, you're not going to be able to believe he can charge you uh, and equip you with what you need to to um, to excel and advance over the world. Because that's what is distinguishing you once you accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, we talked about how Satan is the source of the world's corruption. And and it is, it is through his... Um, through that corruption, that he empowers people through disobedience and iniquity because Satan seeks control. Satan seeks control. And that's where I left off last week. I gave you 1 Corinthians 11 14. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Gave you 1 Peter, where Satan seeks whom he may devour. I gave you 2 Corinthians 4 4, that Satan is the God of this world. And 1 John 5. Um, 19 confirms it. And then I talked about how 12, rather, attempts to take away, he'll take, um, Satan attempts to take away the word from people's heart. Of course, that's a parable of the soil. And if Satan is inserted in the parable of the soil and the conditions of the heart, and remember, Jesus said if he don't understand this parable, how can he understand anything pertaining to the teaching that he taught, which was his parables, all right? So he said, if you don't understand this, how can you understand things change the kingdom of God? Right? Which means if you don't understand, if Satan exists, Satan is real. It is not just some, I know we got some depictions and some some cartoons that have been posted uh, that have tried to discredit and, 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 and contaminate the perspective of what Satan is, but he still exists, whether you believe it or not. He might not have. A pitchfork, a rather, and have red uh, red antlers on his head, but he's still going to send you to hell. Tell him this, Satan exists, sin exists. 
Amen. And um, and the reality of this world tries to make it seem like Satan doesn't exist. But if the word says it, and we set the word of God as final authority, and we awaken ourselves on the overturning way, then we are awake. The Bible says we don't be aware of the enemy's devices. Uh, So we need to know that God wants us to be aware of who Satan really is. Now, Satan's goals are five things. I'm going to give them to you so you know. You know, because, you know, um, and this is point three. I gave you point two last week, and I stopped there. But Tom said, because I gave a healthy review of overcoming sin. And, and I want to give you some more today. Satan's goals are to seek whom we may devour. I said that in, uh, we saw that in First Peter, and then chapter 1. And then we also know that it is to set his system as your way, which is the impulse, which is to be impulsive with no direction. He is the prince and the power of the air. That's what they refer to him as in the scripture. Which means, and, of course, you know the air is just like we don't have a spirit. We don't know where it's going. The spirit of God is referred to the air, but also the prince and the power of the air of this world is called Satan, which means he wants us to just be irrational, erroneous, and he also wants us to be impulsive with no direction. Satan's also goal is to separate us from the love of God. And the love of God is truly the power to transform. Why? Because God loved the world and he gave his son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So if, 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 if God gives his son as a means of transformation to eternal life, then Satan's goal is to separate you from uh, experiencing the love of God. And that's why he, he, he uh, empowers himself to anger and bitterness and wrath and malice and all forms of works of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust, the pride of life, the lust for the glory to God. So, so fear of Satan not only separates or seeks you to devour you, sets you in his system, but it starves your spirit, man, from the supernatural because he wants to separate you from the power of God's love, right? He also wants to starve you from the spirit and the supernatural, ultimately to stop the agenda of God, because he knows he can. But he can't. Why? Second Corinthians two fourteen says you the natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither does he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And it resolves. We have the mind of Christ. And because we have the mind of Christ, we know the things that are freely given of us of, of, of God. And we have confidence to approach God and confidence in this life to achieve and experience God's best and God's plan. Satan's goal is to, to suggest otherwise. And that, that forms a system. That forms a system that alienates you from the life of God. We're going to close in Ephesians chapter 2, but I've got to give you some more information before we close. You need to understand this. Number four, from last week we started, number one was seeing the, the set approval we have in God's love. Number two was Satan is the source of the world corruption. I gave you the five scriptures, and then I gave you the, um, number three was Satan's goal. Um, and then number four is your spiritual authority, what your spiritual authority is activated by. You need to know this. Right? It says there's a simple, there's a simple thing that you need to know. Of course you know that um, the world in this connotation is not the earth, but it is a system of belief opposed to God's plan. 
The ruler of the world is Satan who establishes authority on the power of disobedience. John 12, 31 confirms that. So your spiritual authority is activated, first of all. And let me say this. The kingdom of God is not a word in power. But Luke 8 tells us that, that Jesus gave all those who believe in him power to overcome. All right? But he gave us power over scorpions and snakes and to overcome all the power, the scripture says, of the enemy. So, so we are endowed with power. This is an authority play. This is a power play. And I'm entitled part two of this lesson called Steps, right? And Steps are sequenced to establish power shifts. And this is, this is a power play rule because we need to understand in this that this, this is Satan uh, uh, seeking to separate us from sovereign authority. That's what I told you last week. But it's also to get us out of sequence with God. And the only way we can do to stay in sync with God, synchronize ourselves to his authority, right? And there's a, there's a statement that you'll hear me say all the time. If he's not Lord of all, Lord knows he's not Lord at all. So our spiritual authority is activated by five simple things, studying the word of God. Studying the word of God because the word of God introduces us to who God is and what God is about. There's submission to the things of God and to the way of God and to the life of God, right? Then staying out of sin, staying out of sin because sin separates us from God. And then also being sensitive to the Holy Spirit who leads us to the truth that comes from God. And then also stepping up to the place to serve as the Standards of God. Why? Because God has authorized us, glory to God. He has authorized us to excel and overcome the world. Now, we understand that the steps of goodness, Psalms 37, 23, are not suggested of the Lord, but they're ordered of God. You say that a lot of times. But we also know in Psalms 1, blessing is the man. The man is empowered. He is authorized. Who well, let's go there. Let's go there in the scripture since, since this is a systematic Bible class. Amen. I want you to get as much as you can out of it. Glory to God. And it says in um, Psalms 1, this is the way of the blessed. The fine. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sinneth in the seat of the scornful. Here's three things that you know that you are blessed. But not only are there three things that you know that you are blessed, but here are, here are the three steps that you take, that you decide, uh, that you decide to achieve when you when you are are, are set on overcoming, when you're empowered or you're authorized. This is your spiritual authority authorized. You don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't stand in the way of the sinner. And you don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Did y'all see that? It's very systematic there. You don't you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't stand in the seat that you don't move. It's like okay, listen, walking, standing, sitting. Did y'all see that? So in other words, any form of movement has nothing to do with the way of sinners, 
see the uh, or the the way of or the counsel of the ungodly, the way of sinners and the sinners are scornful. They're all the same thing. Okay, because I I need you to understand this because when we get into understanding our authority over systemic warfare, which we're going to talk about in this, these steps that I'm that I'm referring to. This I, I may not finish this. We'll, we'll pick it up and, and carry it on. Glory to God. But in, in this, in this, there comes power from God to sustain us. Right now, what sustains uh, what sustains us to believe over the world? You need to yeah, you need to have confidence in who you are and what you can do. You know, but you got to know what you have in order to have confidence in who you are and what you can do. Now we know that we have three confidences when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We know that we have a relationship with God. That means we have re- redemption from sin. We have reconciliation with God and man. And I wanted to emphasize that part. We can get it right. We can exist with others, and we can exist with God in a right place, in a good place. It's the goodness of God that leads men to change the way they think. Right? And not only that, we are, are regenerated, hallelujah, by the Holy Ghost. Now, regeneration is something that we really don't talk about in the church, but regeneration is what the purpose of the church is. That's why God sends gifts to the church, so that they can become the man called Christ, which means the mankind or the kind of man or the kind of quality of life. You see what I'm saying? The God kind of life, to, uh, uh, which is called Christ. And Christ is not Jesus' last name. But it's the power that transforms us to into God's image, which is the plans and the pursuits of God's will, embodied in the conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Now, our, we have we know we have our sustaining forces to believe over the world is our relationship with God, and that and that relationship encompasses our redemption, our reconciliation, and regeneration. But not only that, we have the righteous resolve. Right? We have the right standing with God, which gives us confidence, because we've renewed our mind by no longer conforming to the world. And then we also have revelation for the days ahead through the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? So we, we are developed out of that. But not only do we have a righteous resolve, we have a, a right, um, we have a reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit as a comforter, but also as a guide and an instructor of eternal truth to reveal the truth that we need to know, to rehearse the directives that Christ Jesus uh, admonished us to achieve, and then to reward us for our faithfulness and confidence in God. Amen? Now, glory to God. We're good on time. Let's, Let's go a little further. Let's go a little deeper. Amen. At least I hope we've been on time. Please, the Lord. Um, steps. We've been talking about steps. I want to review real quick. Always good to review uh, the points that we should consider when establishing the resolve to overcome the world through affirming our salvation. See, salvation must be fully understood to walk in its confidence. And this requires um, that we know what, who, when, where, and why we believe what we believe. 
Salvation is a deliberate act of submission to God with stipulations to align with his principles over all others. And I often think um, that we have to accept God's word as final authority, as final authority. And salvation was never meant to solely be an internal internal insurance package. You know, we just talk about salvation, um, escaping the the earth um, to heaven. But really, it's more than that. It's a matter of life practically implemented as supreme standards for living. And that's just not internal, um, eternal insurance, but also eternal security in Christ. Salvation is virtually impossible to experience without the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And all Christians need to have experience with the supernatural enlightenment of mind, encouragement of esteem, evidence for uh, that the word of God works in encounter with power beyond the flesh. Because when they don't have it, then they're trying to exist naturally uh, in their salvation and the natural man receives of not the things of God. So salvation is a supernatural and sub is, is supernatural and subject to God through Christ. To us and for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. It is the way. Anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord, what? They shall be saved. And again, if he's not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. So so we have to review these facts um, and these truths and this wisdom about salvation in order to overcome the world because we know that Satan controls, right? Now, this is what the world also seeks to do. Of course, if Satan seeks control and he is the God of the world, then it also suggests that those that are subject to those standards are under his governance and his guidance. This is why we we must pursue and have a passion to see that people accept the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, see, the world is set and seeks to suggest an alternative to the life of God. Sensationalized logic and learning was being subject to the Lordship of Christ. Sink you to the course of disobedience and defilement, find you with temporal pleasures, passions, and pursuits, distorting long-term success, and silence the authority of the speaking spirit. That's, and that's that's really what it has done in and, and, in and of this world. And I told you we're going to conclude in Ephesians chapter 2, so you can go ahead and go there. And I'm going to read, hopefully I can read most of the whole chapters. But here... I want you to understand. Remember, I showed you in Psalms 1 how it says, uh, walk, stand, or sit? Well, the, the world locks believers in the walk, the work, and witness. Okay? Now, this is the attack of the world. And this is what happens to a lot of people when they get saved. Because they have not fully understood what salvation is established to do. And they, they confuse going to an altar and accepting the promise of salvation as salvation and the declaration of salvation as the initial uh, or as the, you know, of the calling as the act of salvation versus, versus the process that we go through because the Lord tells us we got to work out our salvation, meaning that we got to find out the facets of how it works 
we got to find out how salvation works. And so that's not done by just hearing the gospel message, receiving the impression of the conviction of that message, and crying emotionally, and then confessing, uh, Lord, that's just that's just a gateway. You need more than coming to the altar. And Lord knows you need more than being dipped in some water. Okay? And the church has done a terrible job of making salvation uh, just a mere, and that's, you know, why you got the apostolic movement that's attacking the the um Protestant or the um, evangelical movement, which says, you know, you ain't saved until you got the Holy Ghost apostolic movement, which is which is kind of true, you, but you don't experience your salvation until the Holy Spirit enlightens you as to what separates you from the world. But in addition, what they're missing is that that one act of conviction that we receive on our heart to call upon the name of the Lord is so strong that if, if a person is sincere, at the initial calling upon the name of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is still in their heart and they can be set in the right direction. So there's a beauty in both worlds. The Holy Spirit enables us to live the Christian life, but not only does it enable us to live the Christian life, at the point that we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, which is one of the evidence of the Holy Spirit's engagement with us, we then can receive the path of life. You know what I'm saying? That in, that that's, that affirms our walk, our work, and our witness. Now, what the world is, this is systemic. This is systemic, not not systematic, but systemic. This is uh, what sets systems. The 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 system of this world is to conform your walk, your work, and your witness. So your direction, your pro- profession, and your confession. And God wants to revert that when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to deal with your walk, your work, and your witness. And a lot of people give them their walk. Very few people give them their witness because they really haven't given them their work. And all three have to be in line in order for you to receive that. I want to drop that in the end as a way to pick up next week when we deal with the systemic forces um, that really causes warfare and um, all types of other uh, engagements in the spirit, not only in the spirit, but in the earth as well. Now, so when we say that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, you know he's not talking about the world. He's talking about the earth, okay? But you also understand that Satan has come to suggest an alternative to the life of God because he seeks control, and as a result of him seeking the, the control, the, the the way of the world is anti-God. Now, I wanted you to note also the works of the flesh because you need to understand what the works of the flesh are. Go to Galatians chapter 5. And Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, gives you that it's like, um, it is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, Indulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresy, embassy, envying, dr- murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such life, of which I tell you before, I've also told you in times past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're of the world. Jesus didn't come in and try to create the world, he created the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom must be preached, and then the end of the world will come. All right? Now, 
The three things the world looks to um, try to lock believers in is to walk, to work, and to witness. And, and we need to go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's, let's conclude there in the last two minutes. But let's read this really, really, really fast. Amen? Glory to God. And then we'll pick it up on the next page. Uh, let me give you this. Ephesians 2 gives clear-cut explanation as to why we have an advantage in Christ over the world. But it also gives further definition to the to what we mean by saying what is in the world, all right? Because a lot of times people don't know what you mean by by this, and, and, and they think because you say they're in the world, you know, you call them in the devil. And no one's saying the control of the devil is, is, is over you, and you need to be set free from that control. Amen. Now, and you have he made alive or quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time's past he walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations with the lifestyles of time past, in the rest of our flesh fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he hath loved us, even when we were dating together with Christ, by grace we are saved, and have raised us up together and made us sit with him, in, or sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works which any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by the by which is called circum, which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by him that at that time he was without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, who sometimes um, were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has been both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, and even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, ordinances for to making himself of, of, of a twain, one new man, and so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, to them, which were not. That for through him we both have access by the Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. And I build upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the buildings fitly framed together, brought unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom also ye are built together as a habitation of God through the Spirit. So here we see a clear-cut explanation of what I've talked about in the last 40 minutes. And it gives us, and I'll go over and review the signs, the scriptural signs of how you know that you are in the world and how you know you need to be saved. But ultimately, we know that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank that your word did not fall on death is, but it accomplished that which you please and purpose. We thank you, Lord, that your word resolves and it reverts us to a transforming way. 
through and by your son, the Lord Jesus. Says, As a result of that, we have confidence to approach this life in the overcoming way, God. Help us, Lord, overcome. Let it not just be a song or a proclamation of futuristic endeavors and aspirations, but let it be evident in our lives that we have come in contact with you, that you've affirmed us, and we know you more intimately, serve you faithfully, so that you ultimately will be glorified in all that we do. And for this, we praise you and give you glory for it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray, amen. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you will do because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. God bless you and thank you for listening to the broadcast. We have more to come. God is truly going to empower us um, to the overcoming way. God bless you and have a wonderful Lord's Day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.